0: Hello and welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. and my co-host, as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week?
1: I am positively splendid, Gary. Couldn't be better. And yourself?
0: Very good, thank you. Couldn't be better. Feeling very enthusiastic. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, uh, looking forward to discussing this week's topic, which is muscle gain, uh, because we all love gaining muscle, regardless of how difficult it can be at times. But uh, we're still doing the supplement series, and there's definitely a lot of talk about supplements when it comes to fat loss, muscle gain. You know, all these different uh, areas of physique development. And unfortunately, sorry to be a bit of a spoil sport, but this area of muscle gain is probably one of the areas with the with the supplements that are least effective. You know, a lot of it really comes back to comes back to food and comes back to training. And even the supplements that we're going to discuss today that are effective. Can almost be thought of as food there are a few exceptions and we'll discuss those but that's the topic of today we want to teach you how exactly you can supplement your diet by adding powders pills etc in order to gain more muscle and improve your physique
1: yeah and this is it's it's quite unfortunate that there's actually so much marketing hype and um, targeted at people that want to gain muscle So most of you listening to this probably have some sort of muscle gain goals and you've probably been targeted with supplements you've probably been targeted with supplement marketing i mean to say um but unfortunately muscle gain is kind of just a byproduct of training like yes you can bias your training in such a way that you prioritize muscle gain i think that's fair enough to say however even with that, it is still kind of just a byproduct. Like to bias muscle gain, you're going to train in such a way that you progressively overload the muscles, i.e., you get stronger in rep ranges that are conducive to muscle gain. So we'll say somewhere in the six to fifteen rep range, just as a an average, right? Um, that is just training, right? So you're you're just training in a certain way. And then as a byproduct, you build muscle, but the actual training you do is to get stronger at that training, you know, (laughs) excuse me, that's the actual adaptation that you're making. It's like, I get stronger at training as a side effect of that. I build more muscle, right? So the vast majority of the supplements that are targeted at you for, oh, this is going to be the fucking supplement that puts 20 kilos on your body. How is it doing that? What's it doing? you know, and like Gary said earlier on, we really only have two vectors here that we can, you know, target, we can either supply more nutrients to the body, i.e. food, right? And by virtue of that, you're going to hopefully encourage muscle building, assuming you're eating enough calories overall, and assuming that you're doing training in an effective way. (coughs) So we've got that vector. And then we've also got any of the performance enhancing we'll say supplements so any of the supplements that help with training so we talked about them in the last episode i believe um so any of those supplements that potentially allow you to get an extra rep here or there or potentially allow you to recover from training a little bit more (coughs) coughing everywhere or potentially again make you get a bit of a better pump maybe you enjoy the training a bit more maybe they are more motivating i like you're taking caffeine or something so you're able to like you know actually motivate yourself in the gym push yourself in the gym etc so we've got those two vectors but none of them actually directly build muscle like I, i suppose you could say the food stuff does directly build muscle because even without um like resistance training, some of those nutrients, like if you eat a load of protein, for example, some of that's going to go towards muscle building. Now, is it the same amount? Is it as optimal as combining food and training? No, but just by itself, some extra food will probably build some muscle, especially if you're just moving around like an average normal human, you know? Um, So there's that. So we're left in a situation where the target market for supplements you know, which is this? Oh, we want to build muscle. These people that want to build muscle, right? You don't actually. We don't actually have any supplements that can help them, right? We don't actually have any supplements that can directly build muscle. Now, I say that there are, of course, performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, various different chemicals, um, pharmaceuticals. I should say that actually directly build muscle, or like food, are synergistic with the training process. Like if you combine progressive resistance training with enough food and then layer on steroids they're synergistic right you're getting better results than if you were to do just one of any of those right <coughs> but in the real world where drugs aren't freely available right unless look, they are freely available actually that's a lie where they aren't legally (laughs) available in most countries, um, we're left looking at supplements. And unfortunately, there's no real supplements that can potentially help with muscle gain. Now, you might be wondering, well, why the fuck are you doing an episode on it then if there's no real supplements that can help? And the reason for that is we want to ideally cut through some of the the noise, the nonsense that you're going to be exposed to if you're looking to get supplements to help with your muscle gain journey, right? Right. What I would argue for is the supplements we talked about with the pre workouts or intra workouts or post workouts. Those probably deserve a little bit more of your attention because if you can get really good training, then you have more of a stimulus for muscle building. If you combine that with good diet practices, which we've talked about hundreds, if not thousands, of times uh, on on the podcast before, um, you're in you're in a good place, right? But you might want to go and get some supplements that potentially make it easier for you to stick to the diet or actually hit your targets with the diet or potentially are just beneficial in a general diet, right? Um, So that was a bit of a a ramble there. But Gary, let's kick us off here. What supplements? Probably the supplement that gets marketed the most to uh, muscle gain trainees, protein powder story there gary
0: yeah so so firstly when we're thinking about muscle hypertrophy i want you to think of three different domains where supplements might potentially fit in so there's the stimulus there's the signal and there are the substrates okay so there are the three keys to <laughs> the stimulus itself is whatever sort of training you're doing so of course you can improve that and all of that goes back to number one the quality of your training program, the effort you put in, et cetera. And then number two, any supplements that modify your ability to train. So that goes back to what we discussed in the previous episode. If you've got effective pre-workout supplementation and pre-workout nutrition, then that leaves you in a place where you can increase um, or improve the stimulus that's then going to lead to the signaling process. So the second domain there is the signal that drives muscle hypertrophy. So that would be muscle protein synthesis. So if we want to build more muscle, we need more muscle protein synthesis and we need less muscle protein breakdown. That's the the ideal, that what we're synthesizing overrides what we're breaking down and then we get an increase in muscle mass. So we can do certain things to modify the signal that comes from the stimulus of the training that we've applied, including protein feeding, for example, which I'll discuss now in a moment, But there are also things that can amplify that signal as well, such as testosterone and anabolic drugs, as you've just mentioned. So they can amplify the signaling response to a training stimulus or through a protein feeding, which then modifies the signal that occurs. So we've got our stimulus, we've got our signal, and then we've got our substrates. And the substrates come back to, again, what we were talking about in terms of fueling your training from a pre-workout perspective, but also your general energy status overall. So we know that if you wanna build muscle, especially the maximum amount of muscle, it's an energy intensive process. And thus we need to be at least at our maintenance level of calories or ideally in a caloric surplus so that we're maximizing muscle protein synthesis and minimizing muscle protein breakdown. This then leaves us in the best position to be able to lay down new muscle tissue. So the first supplement then is protein powder. We might ask ourselves, where does that fit in there? It fits in primarily in the signaling domain, because when we have a higher um, protein intake overall in the diet, we have greater muscle protein synthesis that occurs. So this signal then is potentially going to lead to more muscle gain. Now, it can also be thought of in the substrate domain in the sense that Protein contains calories. So if you're consuming more protein powder, you're increasing your overall caloric intake. Protein can also be used for um, energy. It's just not a very ideal way of, of consuming energy substrates. But fundamentally here, protein intake needs to be thought of as a component of the diet itself, because the, the protein that you're consuming through supplementation, such as powders or ready ready-made drinks is pretty much the same as what you're going to consume through your diet anyway. You know, there are some differences in quality here or there, but more or less, we consider it all within that domain of total protein intake. So where protein supplementation fits in really is for, number one, the person who's struggling to hit their protein target. So we often recommend somewhere between 1.6 to 2.5 grams per kilogram of body weight of protein intake. If you're struggling to hit that level, protein supplementation is likely to be of benefit. The second place it fits in is for the person who simply needs convenience in their life. So you need a protein source right after your workout so that you can get to work. And then you have your next meal, maybe two or three hours later. That's the way your schedule works. You don't have time for a complete meal. So you have your protein supplement. So
1: fundamentally, that protein. It could just be additive to a meal like breakfast. People always struggle protein. You're like, add a protein shake. Boom, boom. Don't think about it. Move on with your day. Exactly.
0: So, protein powder there is very much a component of the diet. And when you're thinking about protein powder, what you have to realize is this is fundamentally a reduced form of another type of food. So, for example, when you're consuming whey protein, you're basically dealing with the isolated, to various extents depending on the type of protein, but to the isolated protein that has been taken from the leftovers of of dairy of dairy produce. So. Whey protein in that case um, is coming from dairy. You can have uh, beef proteins. You can have plant-based proteins, all of which the idea is simply to kind of isolate the protein component of that food and have it on its own. So overall, that's what you're doing. It's just nutrition. It's just food. And you're getting ideally a a complete spectrum or a broad spectrum of amino acids there as well, which fits in with the next uh, supplement or supplement category on the list.
1: Yeah. And again, just to reiterate, when you're thinking of protein powder, it's no different than just any other protein source in your diet. You know, there's no magic to protein powder. I know a couple of years ago, let's say the 90s, there was a lot of hype of like maybe into the 2000s. People were like, oh, protein powder has like specific anabolic qualities, specific muscle building qualities. It's, you know, phenomenal for X, Y, Z. And, it kind of is in a way because it has the amino acid spectrum that we want in the right quantities it has enough leucine it has everything that we would want from a muscle building protein source you know but a lot of these studies that they did on it were kind of biased to make a like whey protein for example look better right they were like in fasted states they were you know comparing to people that didn't eat and like various different things right um so there is no inherent like a whey protein powder is phenomenal at muscle building if you have a diet that's composed of beef let's just say versus whey protein powder equal amounts of protein i think you would struggle to find a difference in terms of the actual results You you might actually get more of a benefit from beef itself because there's other nutrients that go along with it but that's just the broader diet quality etc right um but there's no inherent like oh whey protein powder is going to build more muscle there's no inherent like phenomenal properties of protein powder that are just going to result in muscle gain and even in some of the other fractions you know like you'll have like casein protein for example people be like oh you need to take your casein protein before bed so it's like slowly released overnight so you're always in that like positive nitrogen imbalance you're always you know at least not breaking down muscle and like again there's potential truth to that but also it probably doesn't result in any meaningful extra muscle gain assuming assuming your total protein intake is in the same place you know if you're comparing 200 grams of protein to 200 grams of protein from a varied sources probably doesn't make all that much of a difference yeah, I would agree, hundred percent. And this brings us to the next one, Gary. BCAA's and EAA's. So you've got your branched chain amino acids, your essential amino acids, right? So they're just protein is made of amino acids. There's different types of amino acids, and some of them are essential, meaning that your body can't make it them itself, and um, so you need to consume them in the diet. And then we've also got the branch chain amino acids, which. We actually don't need to go into too much about what they actually are, but they're just a subfraction of it, right? And um, Now, from the off, you might go, well, protein powder might not be exactly what we need, but surely if we supply more of the essential amino acids, that's going to be what we need to do, right? And um, You know, all oh, leucine. Leucine is one of those amino acids. That's a trigger. That's one of those things that triggers, you know, or it triggers muscle protein synthesis via mTOR and uh, so look we'll just hammer a load of leucine you know or maybe one of the metabolites of that you could say hmb and um, you could be like that's you know another amino acid that we just hammer that we're going to build more muscle right so again you get marketed this you get it's a very easy trap to fall into thinking that yeah that's that's true look you can show me the mechanistic stuff here like here it's triggering mTOR has to build muscle but unfortunately or fortunately you can't build muscle without the full spectrum of amino acid because if any of them are limiting you're just not going to build muscle so you can't just go i need to get 200 grams of protein per day and then go i'm just going to make that all up with leucine right it's not going to build extra muscle. Now you can use leucine to make some of the other amino acids, well, a lot of the other amino acids, but it's not going to build the muscle that you expect it to. We need that full spectrum. We need like a, basically a complete protein source to actually build <clears> muscle, <throat> right? Um, so trying to bias muscle building with sub fractions of protein, it's just not. It's just not the way to go. It doesn't really lead to better results now we could use BCAAs or EAAs to improve the amino acid profile of a certain meal let's say you have a meal that is lower in leucine or lower in any of those essential amino acids let's say you're like oh this is a plant-based protein protein and it's not from like a mixed source like you know they always recommend mixing beans and rice so you got a more complete amino acid spectrum you're like okay well I didn't do that So I'm just going to have some essential amino acids with that meal. Okay, we could say that that's probably going to build more muscle than a diet that didn't do that. But that isn't some inherent magical property. That's just improving the overall diet. So much like with protein powder, it's kind of just a food source. It's kind of just a source of protein, a source of the amino acids that you might need for muscle building, but there's no magical properties to it you know, um, especially all these people that are like hammering EAAs or BCAAs during their workout. Like there might be some benefit, especially to EAAs, um, but it's not doing anything outside of or without sufficient protein overall. And this is where a lot of the problems people run into, where like you'll be like a 16, 17, 18 year old and you get the most marketing then for muscle gain supplements. You know, you need you take your, essential amino acids during your workout and then take these protein powder after your workout etc right and they're all good practices potentially but if you're not consuming enough protein across the whole day it doesn't fucking matter right like you need to have a good diet like all of these supplements have to fall back on the context of a good diet you can't just have them in isolation and think that you're going to build more muscle which is what a lot of the marketing would make you think you make you think that if you take protein powder or you take BCAAs or EAAs, you're just going to inherently build muscle. And it's just not the case.
0: Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, it's reasonable enough in the absence of outcome evidence to look at some of the mechanisms related to specific amino acids and think, God, that's an interesting mechanism. Maybe we could exploit that. Like, for example, like it's not total bullshit, the idea that maybe you should supplement more leucine and build more muscle because we know that leucine is a potent trigger um, of mot- muscle protein synthesis. So you might think, well, why don't I add leucine to every one of my meals and then I'll, I'll bolster that effect? Wouldn't that be great? But unfortunately, one of the things that we often run into, especially when looking at isolated supplementation is the idea of um, kind of th- thresholds in biology in terms of you activate a certain signal um, with a given stimulus and you th- you think to yourself, oh, well, if I just stimulate it more, I'll keep getting more activation. But that almost never occurs in human physiology. What we always see is that there's some degree of a ceiling effect. And when it comes to um amino acids and the relationship of muscle building in particular, we see that ceiling effect where we get an increase in muscle protein synthesis. Then in w- what eventually happens is what's what's kind of referred to as the the muscle full effect. It's been referred to as that where we basically, you know soak the muscle for lack of a better term we soak the muscle and the amino acids that are that are there we've so we've turned on the switch the process is running we have the amino acids we need supplying more isn't going to lead to more muscle um muscle protein synthesis from there and then what we need is we need this kind of refractory period before that stimulus can be activated again so we need the processes of the factory within the muscle to get going and then for there to be tidy up and then we can start it all again okay so you can't just you know, while there are c- clear mechanistic reasons as to why someone might think they could just supplement with more leucine, supplement with more BCAs, and, and bolster the muscle building effect of protein feeding, it just doesn't actually occur when you study it um, in protein controlled conditions. So it is, you can find research that shows that branch chain amino acid supplementation will improve, for example, um, muscle gain or muscle recovery. But what you're not realizing is that that's because it's providing incomplete but still additional protein intake via additional amino acids and if you don't have enough protein already then you are going to get a benefit from it but the idea would be instead of adding bcas add whole protein so there's a hierarchy there whole protein sources are going to be best um And I don't mean whole protein in the sense that it has to be like a single ingredient food. It can be whey protein where, you know, it is reduced down to the the highest quality portion of the protein. And then you've got your essential amino acids below that. Okay. So the ideal whole protein, then essential amino acids, then branched chain amino acids, and then isolated amino acids that you're hoping that will have some sort of effect. So overall, um, whole protein is going to be best. And while there might be a mechanism that you think might be of use there in terms of leucine or in terms of HMB, which is a leucine metabolite for activating muscle protein synthesis. It doesn't seem to play out in practice. As you said, Patty, there might be some examples for someone, let's say on a restrictive uh, plant-based diet where they might consider supplementing with some of these supplements to try to enhance the effect of their protein feeding. But even at that, it just seems like hitting the overall protein intake takes care of the vast majority of all these concerns
1: 100 mm, so unfortunately on the protein front supplements are not all that great again protein powder is basically just a food it's no different than any other protein source in the diet so you can either choose to use protein powder if it's convenient if it makes sense for you or you can just eat food like whichever like it doesn't really matter right however okay maybe we're struggling to get our calories in gary right so we can't get enough calories you see this all the time and especially younger individuals especially if they have like poor you know meal structure we'll say where they don't maybe they don't even eat breakfast they get up at two o'clock in the day because that's unfortunately a very frequent thing you see in like uh you know teenage boys for example they'll literally stay up all night and wake up at two and they're like i struggle to get my calories in yeah because You're not eating at the right time. (laughs) Um, But a mass gainer, maybe it's the mass gainer. That's Look, I want to gain mass. I want to gain some muscle. So this thing says it's going to put on 20 kilos of muscle to me, right? It's a mass gainer. It's going to gain some mass. What's the story there?
0: Yeah, so mass gainers can be quite useful, you know, especially if you're the type of person, you're never hitting your calories. You know, maybe you have limited meal opportunities. Maybe you work a busy job and you need to have some sort of liquid meal can be very useful but again it comes back to this understanding that a mass gainer um and, and and it goes meal replacements are the exact same thing really just generally lower calories they're just sources of food that's all it is they're powdered meals that's exactly what they are even if you look at the ones that have you know aggressive names like optimum nutrition serious mass or other ones like hyperbolic mass and this types of th- these types of things you look at the ingredients it's protein powder, carbohydrates plus or minus a fat source. So all they're doing is finding a way to give you a powdered version of these macronutrients, and thus a big dose of calories, and hopefully make it palatable. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, as long as you understand that's what it is, you know, that there's no difference between you having this pre-made mass gainer supplement versus making your own. When I was uh, first getting into the gym, I would always make my own and they make me sick to even think of because I would just disgusting. You know, I had raw eggs, oats, uh, peanut butter, you know, a few scoops of whey. I remember there was a couple of times where I put my fish oil into the smoothie, just all these types of disgusting things. There's no reason to do it probably other than it just seemed hardcore, but a, a good, a good one that works really well. is just something like, right. You've got your whey protein powder already. Let's throw a scoop of that in maybe a little bit of yogurt, maybe a bit of ice cream. If you need loads of calories, Maybe you want to put in some oats or fruits or, or, or syrup and a t- t- tablespoon of peanut butter. You can get 500, 800 calories in like that, throw it back the hatch and off you go. You know, Actually a decent quality meal. You got fruit, you got protein, you might've got some complex carbohydrates in there as well. So absolutely nothing wrong with doing that type of thing. If you want to buy it in pre-made powder format, that's absolutely fine. But what I find is that when you break it down per calorie or per gram of protein or per gram of carbohydrate, you'd actually just be better off getting a basic whey protein powder, buying a big bag of oats, you know, a couple of bags of frozen blueberries or frozen bananas or something like that, a few, you know, gallons of whole milk and making your own. It actually almost works out even better and you generally get a broader spectrum of nutrients in that way as well. So totally up to you in terms of the financial perspective, but just understand these supplements once again, are primarily food. Sometimes you will get the addition of uh, creatine, for example. But unfortunately, when you look at a lot of these mass gainer supplements, they'll throw in a few extra things to make it seem special. Like also contains creatine, but it might only contain half a gram, you know, per serving, which isn't doing anything for you. So um, I'm not against these supplements at all. I have a big bag of serious mass below in the cupboard there. It's been there for probably... A year now and if i'm in a very intensive training period and you know i'm i'm very busy at the time and i don't have time to consume all of my calories i might have a, a, a scoop or two of that or i might blend it up with another smoothie so nothing wrong with them at all but just understand what
1: they are yeah 100 like it's, again it's just calories and protein most of the time maybe some fat again it depends on what you get the only thing i would add to this is some of them are It's basically just sugar yeah they're crap uh, which is probably not ideal like some of them are literally just like they just got table sugar and some whey protein and it's like yeah okay cool there is the calories that you're looking for but i don't think most people would argue that uh having sugar and whey protein is the best way to structure a meal replacement or uh uh whatever shake you know um And especially if you're in a surplus, which presuming you're going for a mess, you're probably going to be in a surplus, having an excess of sugar intake. It's probably not ideal. Um, It's probably not metabolically as healthy as you could be, uh, or sorry, you are not. By doing that, you're probably not making yourself as metabolically healthy as you could. Um, And you would probably be better off, like Gary said, just doing something like, okay, I'll just get a load of oats and whey protein and just blend that up. There you go. Cool. Like you don't need to overthink it too much. Um, So yeah, I've nothing, like Gary said, I have nothing against mass gainers or meal replacement powders. They are quite handy. Um, I personally would just rather eat food. You know, now I do understand that some people have a hard time with their appetite. um, But even in those cases, very often you can still get better nutrition by choosing food, just choosing lower satiety foods, doing so you know um like rather than choosing potatoes for example you could choose like sushi rice (laughs) you know um so there are options here and there's no inherent muscle building qualities or muscle building properties of a masking or shake or a meal replacement powder or whatever you know now Gary the next one creatine surely look we've been talking through all of these different things like surely surely creatine is the the one you know that builds muscle yeah
0: creatine look look, we'll, we'll give creatine the be- the benefit of the doubt creatine is definitely a beneficial muscle building supplement but again it kind of comes back to this vehicle of understanding its role in modifying the stimulus um, and to some degree the the signaling here as well it's actually technically a substrate as well so when we think about creatine it goes back to what we discussed in the last episode of the podcast, where creatine is basically supporting your short-term energy reserves within your muscle, where it's allowing for higher levels of muscle creatine, which supports the creatine phosphate uh, energy system, which is generally a short-term energy system that's going to allow for greater speed, power, muscle strength, et cetera. So what it will generally do is allow for maybe an extra rep or two, maybe a couple of reps um, on a given set if you've got more creatine available. So it's improving your strength. It's improving your performance, and this is likely then to lead to uh, better muscle gain outcomes. Now, with that said, creatine also has other effects. So, when creatine stored within uh, muscle, it also increases uh, the amount of water that's stored within the muscle, and this can, you know, lead to an increase in muscle size—a very a minor one, but it is increasing a uh, muscle size potentially just through water retention. There might also be effects. You could make the case that the uh, muscle building might be improved by having more muscle or more water within the cell, because that increases cell swelling and things like that. And that might be a hypertrophy signal. But I think the main thing really that we can rely on with creatine is that it supports strength, it supports performance, and thus is uh, of reasonable benefit to someone that's trying to build muscle.
1: Well, I don't have any doubt really. Like... It just helps training. That's basically it, you know? And again, you could argue there's some lean mass accrual by virtue of water retention. Like if you were to do a DEXA scan, like that would show up as lean mass. Mm. Um, But it's not inherently muscle building, you know? But again, I'm a fan of creatine. I know you're a fan of creatine. So let's say yay to it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: let's go for it. Creatine gets a yay.
1: The other one ben gary okay so oh look protein powders mass gainers etc no inherent anabolic properties no inherent muscle building properties they just help they're no different than food effectively creatine okay there's some potential benefits here helps with training cool testosterone guy i said earlier on that steroids help right I don't want to take steroids, but I see on the shelf of this uh, supplement store, testosterone boosters, right? Surely that's how that's, that's going to be muscle building. So should I get on some testosterone booster?
0: If only it was so simple. So there are, there are some supplements that can like improve testosterone or modify other elements of the kind of male hormone panel but they're very often very subtle changes if they occur at all. And the ability of that to translate to any benefit to muscle gain or strength or performance is it's just basically never been demonstrated. Like I've, I've, I've never really seen an effective, you know, testosterone booster. That was just one of these natural testosterone boosters that didn't have major side effects that leads to clear increase in testosterone and thus better muscle building. Like, there's always promises there's always new ideas it just doesn't seem like there's much there really because what you have to realize is that once you're within the normal range of testosterone levels we don't really see like you know clear benefits in terms of muscle gain like if i was to increase my testosterone by 5% let's say which would be in probably the margin that you'd expect from some of these supplements that's not going to change anything i'm not going to feel different i'm not going to perform better i'm not going to build more muscle like testosterone varies all the time, you know, by time of day, it's gonna vary over time, then depending on life stress or sleep, etc. And it just doesn't, it seems like the average level over time, um, once you're in the normal range, is probably important. Okay. That's important for muscle gain, for performance, etc. But unless you're seeing a doubling or a tripling or a quadrupling. I really don't expect any of these supplements to have any meaningful benefit uh, to these outcomes that we care about. Of course, when you take exogenous testosterone, meaning you're not improve, you're not just increasing your output within the body, you're you're injecting it. In most cases, then that can have massive muscle building effects. But you're taking, you know, multiples of the normal range. You know, you're not just replacing the normal range in most cases.
1: And even if you do just replace the normal range, there's other things that occur, like you get a reduction in sex hormone binding globulin yeah. when you're uh, exogenously supplementing with testosterone. You also have like a chronic bleed across the day. Like you were saying, like yeah, there's yeah. this variation across the day, like you have a peak in the morning, it goes down, etc. for naturally produced testosterone. Whereas if you're supplementing with it, like you're injecting it, it's just consistent or relatively consistent across the day which again you might look at a hormone panel and go oh well i have you know 700 you have 700 we're the same but mine is 700 supplemented i.e. injected and yours is 700 naturally produced mine is 700 throughout the whole day right <laughs> yours is not so again there are differences when you actually inject testosterone or you know different steroids um and it's one of those things where people often confused being like oh well there are clearly differences even within the normal range and there are but they're not necessarily because of the testosterone element they're because of the you know administration timeline the uh sex hormone binding globulin changes the other hormone changes etc you know
0: yeah like i'm and, and that's not to say that like <clears throat> the normal range is entirely equal either like as in if you're right at the bottom of the normal range and you get to right, right to the top of the range through Mm. whatever, like that doesn't happen through supplementation. Maybe it happened as a result of your lifestyle changes or something like that. Um, Might that make a difference to muscle building performance? I think you could make that case. Yeah, for sure. You know, that that makes sense because you've got basically a a threefold difference within the normal range of testosterone. So there's potential for a difference there. Uh, And even
1: even if it's not a direct muscle building effect, you probably feel more motivated. You probably want to go to the gym. You probably train harder. So it's like, okay, it's not actually like anabolic signaling, but the stuff that you did to get three times the uh, testosterone of the low range, you know, you probably feel better you probably want to train harder you probably want to stick to your diet etc
0: exactly so um yeah i'm not an absolutist in the sense that once you're in the normal range it's fine you know you could be have a, a normal total testosterone your free testosterone could be low there might be something you could change to to sort that out um but but really you know what we're looking at here is when it comes to testosterone unless you have clearly low testosterone and symptoms associated with the same and that warrants you know trt ma- modulating testosterone through diet and supplementation it's it, you're just not going to move the needle very much you know it's just there's just not much there you know if you're gonna if you want to take the leap take testosterone that's your choice that will work <laughs> that will work i don't really, don't necessarily recommend it but it will work uh, yeah that's well, uh, probably
1: a better uh, uh, approach to like boosting your testosterone would be sleeping an extra hour or two every night that's probably going to give you far more of an effect than some fucking shitty testosterone booster right and if you're like okay well that's still not working make sure that you're eating at least a calorie maintenance ideally a little bit above that and again that's the one of the biggest levers we have to pull with you know our testosterone levels you do those two things get fucking eight to nine hours of sleep every single night eat sufficient calories and then have good lifestyle practices on top of that like the generally good diet you know stress management all the stuff that we talk about that's what you can do to improve your testosterone take again taking a shade testosterone booster is not going to fucking cut it even if you know there's people out there that are like oh well this one did this fantastic thing every time you look at this stuff it's in rats or rodents or it's like, all right, we showed it in human cells in a fucking dish in the lab. It's not in actual humans, you know, um, or the magnitude of effect is fucking piss poor quality. You know, it's like, all right, you got a 2% benefit. I'm like, again, sleep for an extra hour and you'll get a fucking 20% benefit. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the you're, you're stepping over, fucking what's the saying? You're stepping over oh, dollars to pick up pennies, you know? Um, yeah. Like it's not like the, what gets marketed to you, even by people that are supposedly, you know, out to help you and out to benefit you, the stuff that gets marketed to you is not the high return, high yield stuff. You know, the high yield stuff is sleep more and make sure you're eating enough. I can't make money off that. So uh, again, if we were trying to make money off telling you advice, I would say, yeah, take the triage testosterone fucking super duper booster. Uh, that's the one that's going to uh, be more effective than sleep or eating enough but unfortunately we're not scumbags uh, (laughs) and we don't have something to sell you with that and I'm just going to tell you right now sleep and eat enough food and that's how you'll do it like I know with Brian I know he won't mind me telling it because we talked about it before like I literally got his testosterone from the you know lower third of the range you know it's not like it was low or anything but it wasn't in a great position and then we're in the top third of the range just through good lifestyle practices, just through good, like, diet, health, training, nutrition, good overall diet practice, or diet lifestyle practices. Um, Didn't have to do anything fucking fantastic, you know? So, again, good stuff that we recommend all the time, that's probably where you should be focusing your attention rather than going, oh, I'm going to get a shitty testosterone booster. Now, if you do all of that, all of that, all the good stuff you sleep enough stress management good training good diet etc and then you go oh well maybe i'll have a testosterone booster on top of that you probably even get less return on investment than the person that has shitty sleep shitty diet shitty all the fucking other stuff like they're probably getting like five percent improvement and then you take this thing after already being at the top range already doing everything right you're maybe getting a half a percent improvement you know so it's like the more stuff you do right the less effective this stuff really is. You know, it's not going to bring you from the top. You're in the 90% of the range. And it's not going to bring you up from 90 to hundred percent, you know, but anyway, testosterone boosters, they get an A from me.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Other than that, look, I looked online. I was like, okay, let's go on to different forums. Let's go on to different websites. Let's see what gets marketed to people To build muscle. And there's a lot of shit out there, right? There's a lot of stuff that gets marketed, but most of the stuff that gets marketed these days, they've kind of cottoned on to the fact that people realize that you can't really just build muscle, right? So they market to you to improve your training, right? Which I actually think is a better thing. Because, like we said at the start, if you can improve your training, then you have more of a stimulus to build muscle potentially, right? And so, Most of the supplement industry now just targets the around workout, that sort of pre-workouts, intra-workouts, post-workouts. But hopefully now, having listened to this, you'll realize that, yeah, okay, if we can improve the training, that's a good thing. Um, Again, go back to the last episode, listen to that. Um, But outside of that, it really just comes down to getting enough protein, getting enough calories overall, sleeping enough, and then doing some good stress management practices on top of that. And muscle gain happens as a side effect. As a result, you know there's no supplement you can take that's going to go boom. There you go. You just got five extra kilos of muscle. Again, you could take anabolic steroids. You probably would get five kilos of muscle, but on top of that, there are usually lots of side effects. You know, and um, so unfortunately, there's no supplements that directly help with muscle building. You have to train hard, progressively get stronger, learn how to train effectively, and um, you have to eat sufficient calories and protein don't do that <clears throat> you're not building the muscle that you could be building your diet has to be generally good again you need to have enough micronutrients etc and you have to be in generally good health again that should just be obvious <laughs> uh, and then you have to sleep enough and practice good stress management that's it no supplements sorry
0: and that's it guys i'm afraid so, so where
1: can find us gary so if you
0: want to if you want high quality programming and you want, you know, good nutrition advice that goes beyond just, you know, crappy supplements, we do have coaching spaces available. So you can work with the triage team towards your goals, whether they be physique, performance or health related, we'd be more than happy to work with you. You can click the link in the description box below to apply and we will be in touch. We also have a nutrition course where, again, you can cut through the bullshit and get to the essence of what's really important when it comes to managing your nutrition. Um, That's mainly for those of you who are personal trainers who are trying to, you know, become a qualified nutritionist and actually have solid expertise in coaching nutrition. Um, And also those of you who, you know, maybe you're just dipping your toe into helping others and you want to take it to the next level, you want to really be able to coach nutrition, that's for you. So check the description box below for information about that. We put out a lot of free content, as you guys know, so make sure you subscribe to the Triage Method newsletter and also following us on social media at Triage Method, along with the individual pages of each of our respective coaches. If you're enjoying the podcast, give it a share, leave a rating and review if you can, and uh, spread the good word of Triage. See
1: you later, guys. Goodbye.